Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome, Browns backers. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. And just to give you a quick background on who your hosts are, Tony Dick worked in various capacities with the Browns over the course of 21 seasons with the team. So when he mentions being in the building, it's being in the building. He started with the team as a member of the Browns crew in 91. Worked with them up until the time they left for the city who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> he rejoined the Browns upon their return to Cleveland and served his last nine years with the team as the team's manager of alumni relations before leaving in October of 2015. Tony is also a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has served as a research assistant for several documentary projects with NFL Films, NBC Sports, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and Epics. Myself, I have experience in the sports industry in various capacities with Major League Baseball teams, NCAA programs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I earned a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, anybody? 37. 37. Uh, and between Tony and I, we probably worked about 20 Super Bowls. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? All right, welcome Browns backers. This is Chuck Campisi here with Tony Dick, and we are Believe in the Browns. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Before we begin, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast, that's at B-L-E-A-V Podcast. Tony, it's been pretty quiet this week in Cleveland. We had the NFL Combine wrap-up earlier this week. The Browns signed uh, Ben Bloom to be a senior defensive assistant, bringing him back into the building. Um, but otherwise, not too much going on. But we'll start with the Bloom hiring. What do you think of the Bloom hiring as a senior defensive assistant? I mean, I mean it's, it's a safe enough pick. I, I mean, he's someone, there is familiarity. Um, from what I remember, he's, he's a really great guy. Um, so it, 
if you're looking to load up on good guys, um, you've got one. Um, not, you know, it's not anything earth-shattering, which is nothing against you know him as an individual. Um, I think it's a pretty safe pick. I mean, I don't know. I give it a th- I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it moves the needle a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, we know his his work with front seven and various different teams. So hopefully he can again help out with that. I mean, I know he mentioned um, in the little article that they were talking about him. Um, the fact that he had Rob Ryan on there probably scared me a little bit, but then the fact he also had uh, Rod Marinelli, who in my opinion is probably the greatest defensive line coach of all time, um, and then he also had Monty Kiffin on there. I was like, okay, I feel a little better <laughs> about that, having worked with both of those guys. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, I think I agree with you. It's a, it's a little, it's a safe hire, but I don't think it, I think it's a good hire, and I'm not sure exactly what the role is going to be. They didn't lay it out quite that well. But I'm sure, hopefully for him, it's laid out a little more uh, directly in the building. And and maybe that's part of it, is that you have coaches that have a lot of different functional skills now, and we're not going to just lock them down to a specific position. You know, if, if you can help a guy here or there, we want you helping guys uh, across the board um, and maybe focusing on a specific area, you know. Um, but um, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I think I agree with you. Thumbs up. Thumbs up on the Ben Bloom move um other than that we have uh you know the browns right we got the hundred and thirty five thousand dollar matching donation uh to support the ohio governor's imagination library for east cleveland city school district um so you had some browns players out there reading some books hungry caterpillar apparently to the kids um what do you think of the cr efforts um, this week for the Browns, Tony? Well, I, I mean, the community outreach effort uh, by the Browns has never been questioned. I mean, they're, they're always always active, always engaged in the community. I think it's certainly a good thing to see. It's, uh, I think it's especially um, exciting for me to see players who are, are reading. Um, you know, that, that's, uh, <laughs> it's, that's a good sign. It's a good sign. Step one to getting into the playbook, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you'd hate to have the kids reading to the players and be an odd look. So, yeah, you know, it'd be strange. Yeah, in that regard, I think it's good. In all seriousness, I, I mean, they the Browns have made a, a really great effort to stay active in the offseason in the community. I know during the season, every Tuesday, they're doing something. Um, but to have guys, I think my biggest takeaway is that there's guys that are in town doing things, which means there's guys that stuck around um, to, to do their workouts and stuff. And, and that is, is great because, as you know, you know, because we have a new coach, we're going to get an extra week of uh, you know, summer camp. We'll get, we'll get the extra weeks of mini camps um, that most teams, most other teams aren't afforded. And as opposed to last year, you know, when we had just the regular schedule and then we had folks who weren't attending some of those voluntary things, I think it's 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 neat to see a new coach that's here and then players that are in the building not only getting their work in in the weight room, but still doing things, finding time to do things in the community. I can't say enough about that. I mean, you know, I know we're down on them a little bit about stuff, but I, I can't get down on them about their community efforts. Yeah, no, and it's always good to see. As a guy who used to do a lot of the media coverage for some of that stuff uh, in my various different roles, uh, it was always nice to be at those events, and and they're good times, and um, giving back is a nice thing to see from from all the players. And specifically, I mean, I had the 
the benefits of being in Miami and, and Tampa. So we always had a lot of guys around during the off season. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Cleveland, maybe it's, it's a little different, but you still got guys that are here year round. And, and the fact that they're giving back is, is a nice touch. So uh, can't complain about that stuff from a, another perspective. It looks like there's going to be the uniform unveiling sometime around the draft. Um, what do you think we might see from a uniform standpoint with this new Browns uniform? Is it going to be hearkening back to a previous era? How far back are we hearkening? And, uh, or might it be some kind of futuristic design? What is your uh, perception and what would your, be your preference, Tony? Well, I haven't been in the building for the last the last redesign when they made the orange orangier uh well yeah well yeah that well that was that was that was that was the uh that was the logo that was the logo was uh orange orangier the the uniform i guess the the the, my my takeaway or my comment on the last uniform design was and this is why i don't think it's going to be anything futuristic is that you had people in the building um uh, some of them had come from you know the seattle you know franchise and you know Seattle when they redid their uniforms, they went from a traditional—I I won't even say traditional. I mean, the, the Seahawks kind of had—they had the little Seahawk on the sleeve. It was—it yeah. was probably one of the cooler, more quote-unquote futuristic uniforms, if there is such a thing, um, in, in the league. But then they went to this radical redesign, and with Nike being right there, um, they were able to work one-on-one with a lot of the Nike designers, and they came up with that uniform that you see today and the crazy colors you see today. And I think there was um, there was this belief that somehow that Seattle vibe and that Seattle you know kind of futuristic y cool yeah. thing would work here. Um, you know, I was I was in the camp that said no. This is a traditional franchise. This, you know, we didn't. Well, I mean, yeah, you don't have the history or the tradition, or I mean, and especially at that point, the tradition of you know Winning. success that yeah. yes, the Browns have had historically, obviously not recently, in Seattle. So any kind of revamp is hey, at least it's uh, something new, and there's no ties to the previous eras. Yeah. So I when when they when they started to put together the the quote unquote team that that was designing our new uniform. You had those folks who were the lead dogs in that group, and there was a lot of the um, the folks that fell in my category that had been there for a while, um, kind of weren't invited to the party. Which I, you know, it sounds like, you know, I might be doing a little sour grapes here, but I, I feel like if you've got a storied franchise, um, I even if you are looking to update things and give them a quote unquote fresh you know, a freshening or a fresh up, Mm -hmm. um, you still have to, you still have to have people in the room that understand the history of the team. And that just didn't happen. I mean, they, um, they went with the design we have now, which I I don't know. I mean, there's people who pan have panned those uniforms. Are are they horrific? No. I I mean, I, sometimes I, I question the color combos, uh, the Brown on Brown, I think is a terrible look. I'm a big fan (laughs) of that. Well, I'm a big fan of the white, you know, the classic white uniform. And, um, you know, that was a Paul Brown, you know, he loved the white uniforms. And um, it, it's funny because there's so many myths around that. Uh, uh, I talked to some folks when we were doing the redesign about the uh, the team always wearing white in the 80s. And um, they said, well, you know, 
we, we won a lot when we wore white. And actually, we did that research. We researched uh, how many times we won in each color jersey. Uh-huh. And they said, well, we're probably going to go with white because we won the most in white. And I said, well, we won the most in white because we won all the time um, in, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And then with the Bernie era, uh, quite frankly, we were wearing the white solely because it was easier to get the stains grass stains out of the white uniform than the brown because you could apply bleach to it and you wouldn't ruin the color of the jersey so it had nothing to do with you know we're luckier in these jerseys or we play better in these jerseys it was the painted grass or the the paint that we use for the grass comes out of the jerseys better if we go with the white ones and we apply bleach so i I mean i don't know so uh, enough of my tangents here let's let's dial it back in uh, do I think the uniforms are going to be futuristic? No, I do not. I think they that they are smart enough to know that the last go around was not, uh, while not a complete failure, it was not a success. Um, so I think they'll probably go back to a more traditional look, a cleaner look. I think uh, you know I go I I always go back to the Yankees as much as I hate the New York Yankees, that classic look. You, you just. Well, even go back to, I mean, even look at the Giants and the and the Cowboys, you know, teams like that where, yeah. hey, there is the, the history and the tradition in, in those franchises. They do updates. They did refreshes of their jerseys right around the same time, you know. In, yeah. You know, obviously they did maybe a touch earlier in, in, in 2012 than the Browns did. But the, it wasn't a, a complete reimagining of everything. It was just, like you said, hey, let's freshen things up. Let's tighten things up. Let's not necessarily make it futuristic, but let's modernize it. And I think there's easy ways uh, that they can do that that would appeal to the traditional fan, but also garner coming to some of that um, that youth appeal that they're probably looking for. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, it goes back to what I've said about a lot of things that that team does. They, they focus too much on what can we change to make people buy what we're doing. When if you have the most basic of uniforms, I mean, you could. I, I'm not saying we go to the Penn State extreme, or we just have the, the <laughs> well. Plane. I mean, but really, I mean, that is a close facsimile for the Browns. Yeah, I mean, with the you know plain helmet and all that stuff. But if you if you go to that and we're in the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter what the jersey looks like. People are going to yeah. buy it. I, I think the focus is always too much on. Are people going to buy this jersey if it looks like this? Are people going to buy the jersey if we have this stripe or this color? If we're winning, you could put them in whatever you want, and people will buy the jersey. Put it this way. I don't see too many people complaining about Alabama. No. And and that's that's about as basic as Penn State as well. They got a little freshening with the numbers on the helmet, right? Uh, um, So it's... It's it's not like uh, winning doesn't cure all of those uh, marketing ills that may uh, exist. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with you there, and and I think so. I, I know uh, I'm sure J W Johnson's going to be in on the um, he'll be in on the design team, and I think he was he was the only I want to say what well, and you know D and, and Jimmy obviously, but but I think J W is probably the as far as ownership outliers probably the only person that's going to be on this committee that was involved the last time and i he's definitely a guy who's smart enough to realize um that he allowed the folks uh, i don't want to say he allowed i wasn't in the room well the folks in seattle influenced the you know the design the last time 
enough to where they probably ruined our chances to have a, a decent jersey. Um, and, well, and uh, you can look back at and and yeah. you can look back at that and say, hey, that was a new ownership group taking over and maybe weren't as confident in their ability to make some of those decisions, and so we're kind of leaning on maybe some of those execs from um, their outside partners. And I think this time they're a little more confident in what they want and the direction they want those jerseys to go to and have gotten, obviously, a couple years of input um, from Browns fans about what they want as well. Yeah, because I think if you do, you got to do something, you got to go back a little classic with the Browns. If they want to do, you know, with if you took it Haslam Group, sports group or whatever their enterprise now with the the Columbus crew thrown in right yeah if you want to reimagine the crew jersey I don't think anybody's going to give you a hard time um you want to reimagine the brown jersey I think there's going to be a lot of pushback um so I think you know a freshening but a a trip back in time um yeah wouldn't be bad you know and the the funny thing is uh you know this is uh it's either going to be interesting if you're into this, or it's you're going to tune out right here. Uh, but but I'll t- <laughs> it'll be it, for me. The, the the thing I'm going to look at is do they do they mess with the helmet at all? Um, because messing with the jersey is one thing, but with the Browns, the unique thing about them messing with the helmet is when they mess with the helmet, they're actually messing with their main logo. And um, I know we went through this in uh, 2006. Um, you know, for the 60th anniversary of the team, we did something so simple as go from a white face mask to a gray face mask, and everyone thought, "Oh, okay, this will be this will be great." You know, it's a simple change, but when you think about it, uh, that's the logo. So you've essentially changed the logo, which meant every piece of stationery, every sign at every elevator, every garbage can, every it, it was. I was so amazed when we um, we went through the process of making that switch over. <clears throat> excuse me. How many helmets? You didn't realize how many helmets were in the building until you had to switch them all out from just a white, just a oh, white yeah. face mask to a gray face mask. And literally thousands and thousands of dollars spent just to make that switch. So then, you know, we learned our lesson in 2006, right? Uh, hey, that's a very expensive thing to do. And then what <laughs> did we end up doing? We did it again um, when we when we did the uniform change, and you had to go through the whole entire thing all over again. To change all you know all the signage everything, um, because you had an orange or orange and yeah. you had a brown face mask. Oh no! Last year around this time, I was talking to Trevor Gooby um, for another podcast that I host, uh, Guys in the Cheap Seats, and he is the senior VP of Ballpark Ops for the Mariners. Mm-hmm. And they were switching from Safeco Field, which had been their field name from 1999 when they opened until 2018, and for the 2019 season, like three months before the season. They finally signed the deal with T-Mobile. So they were going through every space of the ballpark that had Safeco on it. And he's like, luckily the people from, you know, Populous helped him out. And he said, luckily the people from T-Mobile were great about it. And he's like, they understand that we're not going to be able to get all of these signs changed for opening day. You know, so the goal is by the end of the season to have all of the Safeco little, you know, just the little plaques that are around places, the little things that have Safeco names on it. You know, so transitioning just from that to to T-Mobile, and that was just ballpark related, right? So that was none of their stationery, none of the logos on the shirts or anything like that. You know, so uh, those transitions, people don't understand the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that go into... um, making that change and if you're going to do it immediately or if you know specifically from the brown standpoint 
are you going to use some of that old stationery, or is it a uh, hey, no, we're getting rid of it day one? Yeah. You know, um, ownership has to make those calls, and those can be tough. So I don't think there's going to be a huge change, and I uh, we'll see. But I can't imagine they're changing that helmet. Uh-huh. Well, the only tough thing, the only tough thing with that is, is that if you look at the helmet and the design of the helmet, it matches the the design of the jersey because you have those, you know, that stripe element yeah. is on the sleeve. So it's going to be a tough one, but um, uh, you know, I, I, hey, I guess if we're going all in. Let's go all in, right? Oh, hey, it's not my money, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Tony, we'll look ahead a little bit to the draft. You know, the Browns have four picks in the first three rounds. Um, they also have a fourth round pick, so that makes it, you know, um, five picks in the first four rounds. They do not have a fifth round pick. Have a sixth and two sevenths. Hopefully they won't do anything stupid and, and trade up to try to get in the fifth round because there's a guy they got to grab um, in the fifth round with the likelihood of a lot of those players not making the roster and sacrificing future picks um, for those types of things. But we'll see. I would like to see them hold on to all of those picks. We'll talk a little bit about the first round, right? So the Browns are sitting at 10 right now. It looks like, I mean, basically, we're, I'm looking at the the Browns' site, right? And and their their guys have them taking either Jedrick Willis, Jedrick Wills, sorry, from Alabama, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Uh, those are two offensive tackles. Um, one that that nobody has them picking, but could also be a pick um, for them is as Mackay Becton from from Louisville. These guys are monsters, Tony. You're looking at Wills at six five three twenty. Worfs 6'5", 322, and Becton is 6'7", 364. He also ran a 5'1", in the 40. Um, and these guys got some crazy stats. Uh, Wills ran a 5'05", 40, uh, unofficially Worfs. And I don't know how you get an unofficial time right at the Combine. Um, the fact that they're not using some kind of super laser timer is is somewhat ridiculous um four eight six forty um those will all come in super handy on uh third and 40 yard dash tony um so you know they're interesting numbers to look at i don't know exactly what they mean and i don't think anyone else could tell you that they mean anything from any actual standpoint um any preference on any of those guys i mean you got alabama iowa louisville these guys are all competing at a high level I, I don't think you can go wrong with either one. I, I mean, I, I think that's the beauty of um, where we're at this year. Um, we're at we're at a place where we don't, um, you know, we're far enough back. I think we're we're taking a position <laughs> where, oh, well, you know, we're far enough back where we're taking a position that we can. Um, I think we can take a tackle and and we can take any one of those that you listed, and certainly um, Alabama, Iowa. I mean, there are schools that. That are known for putting out some linemen. Um, you know, I used to, I joked all the time when we came back in 99, um, you know, and, and I continued on with the same joke, unfortunately, for the next six <laughs> years. It, you know, it's like, man, go to these beef eater schools, you know, go to Nebraska, go to Iowa, go to Michigan, you know, you know, go to these schools that are constantly cranking out linemen and just draft every kid that comes out of Nebraska, draft every kid that comes out of Michigan, you, you know, these big linemen and build your line with them. I, 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 and then if you have a great line, 
then you can plug in just average guys and, and they end up doing all right. I mean, the Denver Broncos made a living off of that philosophy for many years. I mean, they they could plug anybody, and and I'm not, I don't want to demean the running backs, but my gosh, like it seemed like every year they had a new running back in the backfield, and the guy's running for a thousand yards. Um, you, you know, and and that's it. All starts with just that line that's that just big, able to move. I'm um, certainly when you start. I think that's the thing that blows me away this year in the combine, is. Um, and this is why it's a year when I would draft as many linemen as possible. There's just so many big, fast guys out there. And if you want to get good, most especially in, in our, uh, you know, in the north, big, fast guys that can get out there and move people, that's what you want. Like come October, November, December, when you got those guys leading the, the convoy with the <laughs> running back behind them, I mean, that's what you want. Um, so to me... I like where we're at. I like the fact we're not picking in the top five. Uh, you know that that's, that's a nice it's deal. Progress. Yeah, but um, I I I think taking any one of those linemen I, is a good deal. The only way we could screw it up is if we don't take a lineman. I think we need to take an offensive lineman. We need to invest heavily in that part of of, the, of our uh, our team. So. Yeah, I think I think that's the, that's the key. I would agree with you. I think. I wouldn't necessarily be averse to, to taking alignment with the top two picks um, from that standpoint and seeing what um, the the draft would bring. And obviously we need to fill both of those spots. There's there's not a there's not too many spots on our offensive line, especially in those, you know, right and left tackle. Um, we know one's not coming back, uh, even if we wanted him to. So how do we move forward? And then sitting there at 41, 74, and 90, um, in the first three rounds, hopefully there's going to be some guys that we can get that can really make a difference um, for this for this roster. So Tony, we don't want to bemoan anything. It's been a relatively quiet week. It's the off season. We want to want to bore everybody with the uh, draft talk that we're going to get into as as we move forward through the through the year uh, and the off season here as we slowly approach the draft. Any closing comments? Before we wrap it up here on the Believe Podcast Network, no, no, I, I like I said, I, I all eyes are on the draft right now. I mean that for us, unfortunately, we're in that point of the we're in that point of the year where there's just there's nothing really to do but wait, right? Like we just sit here and you wait, you 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 pray that guys don't get out, go out and get arrested, uh, <laughs> and then uh, you pray that um, we we do well in the draft. Those are the, the only two things we got every morning when we wake up. Check the paper. Nobody got arrested. Good, and we're one day closer to the draft. Um, you know, because we're in a holding pattern here. I, I know. I'm. You know, we as fans are in a holding pa- pattern. I'm sure. You know, this new coaching staff is going a hundred miles an hour trying to get up to speed um, with what's going on. Um, you know, they they were behind the eight ball a little bit as far as um, just late planning and late getting them in, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're making every effort. To, to get to where they need to be, and they'll get there. Um, but, yeah, right now we're just kind of just waiting, you know, um, one day away, and hopefully no arrests. Hopefully no arrests, yeah. <laughs> should be a T-shirt, you know, one day away. And they're filling things out a little bit, um, you know, from a, from a roster standpoint in terms of uh, some of those front office openings. Uh, so it's good to see those positions slowly take shape. Um, even if they are, con- are kind of a little bit behind the scenes, 
um, you know, directors of scouting, um, VP football administration, those roles are, are slowly populating as well. So it's good to see some of those things um, take place. So that's all we got for you, Browns backers. Thanks for listening to us on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Again, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Luminary, TuneIn, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. And at Believe Podcasts. That's at B-L-E-A-V podcasts job check for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done